Nope. We are hungry, Mia said in her usual monotone voice. You know we need to eat. Otherwise, you're responsible for what happens. She stared at me with icy blue eyes, waiting on a response. Her sister, Nia, a carbon copy, both physically and in demeanor, stood at Mia's side, nodding. I let out a sigh and begged them to wait another few hours. I tried explaining that it only had begun to get dark, and we'd likely have more success looking for something to eat later into the night. Nia shook her head. No, the food from last week ran out, and we're hungry. Figure it out, now, or we will. This was a repeat of a conversation we'd had many times over. And as I had quickly learned in the past, their demands were not up for debate. Reluctantly, I opted for acceptance and went to grab my keys from the counter while telling the two young girls to get into the car. Large smiles appeared on their faces as they sprinted off. In the two years they'd been with me, I'd only recognized them exhibiting an emotion close to happiness a few times, and each of those moments was directly related to having the opportunity to eat. Lately, I have found myself becoming more and more annoyed with the two. Their appetites had ramped up considerably over the past couple of weeks, and there was quite a few times I'd been on the verge of denying them outright. However, their casual reminders of the consequences of my decisions always brought me back to a place of acceptance. Still, as I watched their reactions to going out, I caught myself, at least for a second, believing they were two ordinary girls off to get a Happy Meal, or off to visit their favorite park. A smirk crossed my face as my brain conjured up a fictitious, normal reality. But that smirk quickly died as the actual reality of the situation set in when they called for me to come along. Slowly, my pure yet misguided thoughts melted back into feelings of disgust and frustration. No part of me wanted to get into the car, but a vague sense of needing to care for them mixed with the knowledge of the consequences drove me to do it anyway. I let my mind go blank as I drove around in silence. I scouted for miles, making random turns at who knows where, and passed dead end after dead end until finally I heard Mia say, Stop right there. Looking to my left, I saw we had come across a young man walking alone on the sidewalk. We had made our way to a more sparsely populated part of the neighboring city, and a large empty park separated him from any houses that could have seen him. I drove up about 100 feet in front of the man and parked. Nia asked if everything was in the back, and after confirming the twins had everything they needed, they simply got out of the car. As soon as they were gone, 
I instinctively went to turn on some music, set the volume up to a near-dangerous level, closed my eyes, and hoped, as I did every week, that this was all just a bad dream. It didn't take long for them to come back. I could hear the man being shuffled into the back of my car. His muffled screams were somewhat drowned out by the music, but not enough that I couldn't pretend I didn't know what was happening. The twins seemed to relish in his pain, mocking him as we drove back home. They sang and made comments about how the salt of his tears was the perfect seasoning, and how his weeping did well to accompany dinner. Their mind games worked exceptionally well, because the man was in the middle of a full-blown panic attack by the time we arrived. I let the girls into the house, and for a moment I was alone with the man. Please, he begged. I, I don't know who you are, but my name is Lucas McCarthy. I have a baby on the way, and my job is going to call the police if I'm missing. P please, I'm a good man. And I won't say a word about this to anyone. Just please, let me go home. I made sure to look him in the eye as we spoke. Lucas, right? Look, man. I'm so sorry. I want to help you, really. I want nothing more than to take you back home and for none of this to go down. But the girls... They... Girls? Lucas interjected, his voice cracking as he spoke. No, 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 listen, those aren't girls. Those are monsters. My God, please, you can't possibly want to do this. Every fiber of my being wanted to set him free. But as I looked down at his restraints and saw the desperation in his eyes... All I could do was shake my head and apologize. I told him that under any other circumstance, I'd do everything I could to protect him. But this, this was far beyond my control. His yells turned into more begging that eventually morphed into cursing. But ultimately, just like with all the others, I had to walk away. The twins were busy at work collecting spices and gathering different tools for their feast. I stood and watched them, partially disconnected from what was to come and partially questioning why I let myself be involved with it. They said nothing as I stared, but Mia flashed me a quick look that sent shivers down my spine. When the twins were finished setting up their space, they brushed past me to go outside, barely acknowledging my existence. Before I knew it, they were dragging the screaming man into the kitchen. Lucas thrashed about, using every bit of life he had left to spare himself from the coming torture, but the ungodly strength of the two girls was too much. His final pleas for help forced me to cover my ears and close my eyes while I ran to my room, slamming the door behind me. 
The last thing I heard was his pained voice yelling before silence. Eventually, the only thing that remained was the clattering of pots and pans and a loud smacking of lips accompanied by the cracking of bone. I tried playing music to drown out the sound. Still, it was as if the disgusting noises had embedded themselves into my skull. I had heard it all before. Over and over and over again. So much so that my imagination couldn't help but replicate the scene, despite my best efforts to forget what was going on in my own home. But that day, something new accompanied the voices. Not just the pleas of Lucas, but the words and faces of so many others I had marched into their demise. It all flooded back so fast that I could feel a sharp pain in my head. That day, the feeling of wrongness was coming on more robust than I could recall it coming on in the past. At that moment, I decided I couldn't be an accomplice anymore. The guilt of another death would be on my conscience forever, but maybe I didn't have to continue to add more to the growing number of bodies. With faux confidence, but a fervor that drove me forward regardless, I pushed myself to storm towards the kitchen and end this madness once and for all. But the madness only intensified when I arrived. I expected to find two young twin girls. Instead, I found two naked, morbidly obese women. Their mouths were disgustingly wide. This allowed them to literally shove globes of flesh down their throats. Two long black tongues slithered like eels around their forearms, picking up every piece of fallen meat. What was once pristine blonde hair was now a dirty, oily, stringy mess and their pure blue eyes had become entirely black. Blisters and bruises ran across their body, letting pus flow freely from their disgusting wounds. But worst of all was the smell of the vile creatures. Human flesh mixed with an indescribably pungent odor. The transformation made me stagger back and gag, I couldn't understand what I was seeing. My brain darted back and forth between pure fear, confusion, and wretched disgust. Frantically, I scrambled for the door, but I couldn't seem to open the damn thing in my panic. One of the twin monsters saw me attempting to leave, and she let out a loud groan. In a distorted little girl's voice, she said, you can't go now. We'll starve without you. Remember our deal? If you don't keep bringing us food, we'll get so hungry, we'll have to consume your whole family. The other stood up and hunched forward, a brownish-red liquid dripping from her mouth. We're so hungry. Please, don't let us starve. As they spoke, 
a familiar feeling came over me. These women, these things, were pure evil. And yet, I wanted to take care of them. I didn't want to just let them starve. I blinked, and for a brief moment, they went back to just being little girls. The flesh they were consuming didn't look to be flesh at all, just pieces of candy strewn about the kitchen floor. I wanted to reach out and tell them everything would be okay. But in a flash, reality snapped back, and I could see them both closing in. Long arms outstretched, trying to grab me. I screamed at them to get away and kicked at the air in a desperate attempt to create space. Undeterred, they closed in. As they did, they laughed about how sweet my skin looked and gleefully sang about how a good meal deserved an even better dessert. Only with a last-ditch effort did I manage to unlock the door and sprint the short distance to my car, just barely escaping the two as they reached for me. As I drove off into the night, the last thing I saw was the twins, back to just being little girls, standing by the door, holding hands. They didn't yell for me, nor did they try to follow. Then, or ever. But I suppose they didn't need to. The twins would have their revenge. Mere weeks later, my parents disappeared, along with my younger siblings. As far as an official investigation went, not one iota of evidence ever suggested what caused their disappearance. Unofficially, it's pretty damn clear who's responsible. Me. And I'll have to carry that burden forever. Thinking back, I can barely remember how the twins and I even came into contact. The two simply showed up in my home one day, and I had this strong urge to take care of them. When they complained about being hungry, I offered them everything I had. Still, no matter how much they ate, I could never satiate their hunger. It wasn't until we went out for a ride through the city one night that I discovered their true intentions. After their first kill, they informed me that if I ever stopped taking care of them, they would take away the precious people in my life as recompense. Now, I sit here, with no family, living in the first shitty studio I could find after leaving home. Here, I have to genuinely ask myself whether it was worth it. Was leaving everything behind and sacrificing those I love worth it to ensure I was not helping them hurt others? For all I know, they found some other fool, and none of this made a damn bit of difference. I would not fault anyone for choosing the lives of their family over random strangers, regardless of how many innocents die. I just couldn't do it anymore. But still, the one solace I can take from this 
is that I'm glad I'm no longer helping to serve up humans on a silver platter to a pair of hungry twin monsters. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. If you want to learn more about the author of this story, just check the show notes and you'll find all the necessary links. If I haven't earned it already, I hope this is the week you choose to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Until next time, everybody, this is Dan David reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.